With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Mall Over podcast. Uh, the no, God's sake, Ben, you do it. <laughs> Just do the intro, mate. Just do the intro. <laughs> Me under pressure now, Doug. Welcome to the local podcast with news, views, and other stuff about rugby with a West Country accent. There you go. Um, so I've bailed out on the intro already. I'm going to be hosting today because Tubsy's. Eating or he'll be eating something, won't he? At the That's moment. a birthday cake. <laughs> yeah. Birthday cake, yeah. isn't it? Stuffing it yeah. our face. Birthday cake made of bacon. <laughs> um, and Phil's out probably entertaining a housewife somewhere. So um, it's just me and Ben uh, from the regulars. So how are you doing, Ben? Uh, I'm good, thanks, mate. Why don't yeah. you tell us all about your shoulder again? That was really interesting. Oh, yeah. I've got a trap nerve in my shoulder, which means I'm like... I was only joking, around. mate. No one cares. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> um, there's Ben being the nicest man in Cornish rugby podcasting, with, even with a bad shoulder. Um, but we thought we'd we haven't podcasted for a while because fifty uh, percent of the podcast hate rugby now, and the other fifty percent obviously have better things to do in the middle of summer in one of uh, Great Britain's most naturally beautiful places. So um, don't ra- rag us too hard for not doing podcasts. Um, there's other stuff to be getting on with. But we're back this week and we're joined by um, a couple of the regulars from our secret squirrel WhatsApp group. Not WhatsApp, is it? For some reason, we refuse <laughs> to go that far and, and we stay on Twitter. But uh, the bunch of degenerates, we've got one from each side um, for the final. So we've got Duncan Keane from Leicester's, Leicester's side. How are you going, Duncan? Hi, Dougie. Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, apologies to the regular listeners for a new voice. I know it always goes down a little bit. Uh, doesn't always go down good, but uh, good to, uh, good to be on. Think, to be honest, <laughs> um, wearing uh, a very good sort of mid 2000s Leicester replica. 2001, 2001. Yeah, beautiful with a Vauxhall sponsorship. <laughs> um, and we're joined by a stalwart Mallover listener, 
one of probably the first listeners we ever got. Um, a man who has taken probably more stick on WhatsApp, Facebook, um, Twitter, and podcasts over the last five years than anyone other than than Tubbs, I guess. Uh, James, how are you going? Very well, thank you very much. Slightly Good, disturbed by Ben Tiger, he's bad. But there you go. Um, yeah. uh, doing all right. Just do us a favour and drop your mic stalk a bit closer to your mouth so we can... Uh, there you go. You've got a mic stalk, I don't know if you have. Amateur hour, you see? Is it not working? Don't worry, mate. Don't worry. Can't all be the egg chasers. Um, the reason we've got you on is because, well, Ben, did you even watch the final? Yeah, I did, yeah. Do you know wow. what I did, though? I watched Sorry? it on catch-up. I was half hour behind, so I just skipped over all the referee chat, all the scrum setups. Uh, you, yeah, you watched a game in, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, took, took less than an hour. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and I was working on the British Superbikes, uh, so I was kind of watching it out of half of one eye. So we thought we'd get some supporters of the game on. Now, obviously, my my feelings on both sides are pretty clear as a Northampton Saints fan. Um, I wouldn't say that I I have a dislike him for Leicester because it, I mean it's a bit like it's a bit like being a Man City fan. Being a Leicester fan, being a being a Northampton fan compared to United, because although Leicester, are, although City are winning at the moment, they'll always be the little brother of um, Premiership football. And Northampton and Leicester are a bit like that. Northampton are the little brother of Leicester. As much as we like to think that it's a huge rivalry, the um, the actual results are un, unquestionable, really. So while I don't particularly enjoy Leicester, I can't begrudge them the success. Whereas with Saracens, we all know my feelings on that. So what I think we should do is, um, I think we should um, first ask you about, you know, how was the day you both went? It was a, it was a good, a good atmosphere, I guess. Twickenham always good on finals day. Um, did you meet up? No, uh, James had his son with him. Um, I'm sort of, Sort of met Matt, who also is in our in our group. Uh, he flicked the V's at me. Uh, I flicked the V's back at him, um, <laughs> and uh, we had a, a short conversation. Um, but yeah, that was that. Um, and yeah, no, James, we had a few messages, uh, quite a lot of messages in the in the build up to it uh, about the uh, organisation and Premier Rugby and their pricing and uh, all things like that that we we do agree on. Um, well, and then, just, uh, just, just let us know about that. I I don't if I I know I I had a chat with James at the semi final, and you were very um, very not happy with the uh, the pricing structure. Yeah, it just seemed. Um, I know. Uh, I think Paul, Paul Morgan tried to counter my uh, or counter my tweet about it quite quickly, but um, it just felt that ninety nine pounds, no concessions for uh, quite a lot of the seats, seemed like a very just an expensive day out. Really, and sort of forgetting kind of part the purpose of bringing the family to the rugby family together for an end of season party and final, which I thought was kind of the point of having the playoff. Um, and uh, one of the points having the playoff, and you know there were other you know other four categories of pricing, so you didn't have to spend ninety nine pounds. Um, but the no concession bit does annoy me. Um, you know, it kind of deny, denies the opportunity for most families to sort of 
sit together. I think it's 101 pounds. It was yeah. There was no concessions on the the side seats, so the the 99 pound ones. There were concessions in the other areas, so you could take. So the people sat in front of me was a dad and his daughter. Uh, his seat was 72 pounds, which was the same I paid, uh, and his daughter's was 20. So. The family thing, they could just about manage it if they were fans of the team, but it's not like it was. I mean, people are like, comparing the attendances with 10 years ago. 10 years ago, you could buy an adult ticket for £25 and a kid's ticket for probably a tenner. I, I seem to remember for Saracens Northampton in the glorious year that we, we won the premiership, my dad got a ticket in the northwest corner for a tenner. Yeah. Um, and that if you look back at that game, it was absolutely heaving, Twickenham was. I mean, James, have you been to every final? Every final Saracens have been in, yeah. In, and is oh, this? And it was, no, I mean, there was noticeable gaps uh, this time. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a difficult game to sell when it's, you only find out there's participants the week before, uh, and that makes a big difference to whether people want to attend some of it. Um but uh, uh, you know, Saracens don't travel in the largest numbers. Uh, Leicester, there's certainly a lot more Leicester fans there than, than by, you know, by far, or by, mm. for, than Saracens. Um, you know, we made ourselves heard, but uh, you know that typical thing. It's always quite loud for you if you're in the Saracens area. It feels quite loud. I suspect yeah. it didn't sound that loud when you when you're dominated by by the Leicester crowd. Well, and when um, you've only got one song as well, which is monotonously shouting Saris as loud absolutely. as you can. You know. But it does feel like Tigers have exactly the same thing. You just replace the word Saris for Tigers in the same slight degree of monotony. It's not. We, we, it wasn't a quick. Wasn't a Quinn's uh, sing along sort of session, but. Um, it, it was good. I mean, I, th- I think, you know, the atmosphere is great. It was great outside. Um, you know, there's a lot of activities outside families. Um, you know, we had uh, both teams arrived. That was great. So welcoming both teams in. Um, usual guard of honour for, for Saracens. With, um, uh, and, you know, let's tag a load of people cheering and shouting when their coach arrived. It's good. You know, there's a really nice fa- nice build up to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know. from, from the Leicester sort of fans end, I think, it was the best atmosphere we've had for ages. I think our uh, big games this year, Leinster at home, Northampton at home, and then this one in, in the knockout games, uh, none of those have sold out, which, you know, all would have sold out years ago. But the actual atmosphere, the way the fans were supporting the team is way better. And I think, obviously, we'd got a bit used to, you know, nine finals in a year, and in a row, sorry, and all of that. We got used to going and winning, uh, not always winning, but used to going all the time. And I think there's been a real hunger built up mm. uh, with lockdown and everything as well. Um, and there was, yeah, a lot more sort of support, I think, from the Leicester fans than in some previous finals where people sort of sit on their hands and just wait and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I think we'll move on from this, just conscious of time. But I I think we might circle back to this um, at the end if we get time, just just to see if there's any way we can improve or premiership rugby can improve. I've got a number of things that I think they could do overnight that would improve it, but we'll, we'll get on to the actual game. I mean, I don't think it was ever going to be anything but a game for Ben Eustace, was it? <laughs> I enjoyed it. Yeah. I thought it was a really good game. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there was a lot of kicking in it, but there was some pretty, there was some pretty aimless kicking, but there was some pretty good kicking as well. Um, I, I find and... that the, the, the kicking stuff fascinating. When you watch him with no volume on, as I was, 
and you're watching these kicking battles develop and you can see the territory just ebbing and flowing. Mm. And, and it, it's, it's intriguing. Like when you don't have the voices in the background saying, Oh, kick another kick. And they're all making fun of the kick and you're watching Saracens and the, the relentless incremental five yard gains, incremental yeah. five yard gains, every kick. And then they're on the halfway line. And then Leicester would turn them over. And it, to me, that's that's rugby. 56-47 is not rugby to me. That's um that's that's passball. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, both sides defended really well. It wasn't that there was a, a complete lack of attacking rugby, it was just two really good defenses. And you know, I think Phil made the point on Twitter, which was pretty much summed the game up that. Leicester defended so well and they didn't let Saracens like big ball carriers just wear them down you know usually it only takes them a few phases of those really heavy carries and it picks a few holes in the defense and you know Leicester well you know it's it's a Simfield defense isn't it and it's um it was it was really effective I think you got to say do we have a Simfield defense yet though Duncan because he's, he's only been there a year right yeah, it's only been a year. Uh, yeah, I think it's improved. Um, but I is think it a the... Sinfield defence or is it a defence coached by Sinfield in the mould of their head coach? Yeah, well, in the mould I... of Portwick, definitely. Absolutely. Well, I, I would say it's just it's taking on the sort of personality of, of, of Sinfield, you know. It, Are you conflating no. hard work with Northern Grit? <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you being a little bit... I think stereotypes it, I think here. It's, it's dogging it. It's dogging this. I mean, it, it was relentless. I mean, both defences were very, very good, but it's particularly impressive. Leicester defence. If you look, you know, Saracens, the, the kicking tactic that they use does normally gain them, gain them more and more territory and pressure and pressure, and then they cut loose and they cut loose, but they cut loose in the middle third of the pitch, and we didn't. We, about sixty minutes in. It was quite a long time into the match before we actually even got into the 22. But there have been loads of flashes of sort of exciting play in that middle third where we seem to be making progress. But then Leicester just, just stood firm or we turned it over or, you know, there was just that frustration. And it looked really exciting in the middle bit, um, but um, just not with the degree. We didn't get over the line. I mean, Look, we, got, just, we got, I, got within five meters, and then, then um, Barnsley stopped us. Uh, literally stopped us. Oh, um, here we go. We're going to get on the rest <laughs> already, are we? Here we go. No, 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 no. <laughs> he unfortunately got in the way. Yeah, I, look, I think from what I could see, in much the same way that the NFL has coaching trees, I think that coaching tree from Saracens has has branched out, and you can see that defensive intensity that Leicester play with that has been a hallmark of Saracens for probably a decade um the the swarming nature of when a ball goes loose it's not like most teams where one player spots it and he's and he's on it there's three four five players around the ball they're competing to they're competing to um you know counter ruck over their the aggression was pretty mind-blowing now i think largely something that went missing in the build-up to this game as they sort of um tried to ham up the redemption story of Saracens and uh, well, the redemption stories of both sides. I think not, I've not heard a lot 
maybe it's because I haven't been paying attention, but I certainly didn't hear a lot about the Tom Young's angle to it all and the emotion that those guys were playing with for Tom Young. I, I, I think um, in particular in the semi-final, uh, that was a big issue, particularly I think it was sort of unthinkable to lose the semi-final in that week uh, with what had happened. And I think the players almost bottled it early on due to the emotion and they were so emotional uh, on the pitch. Uh, I think they handled the emotions better in the final. I think obviously it's been another week. They've had a victory. You know, it's much more <laughs> thinkable to to lose a final than it is to lose a semi-final when you've been top of the table the whole year. And when Tom Young's has literally asked you to do one thing, which is smash the Saints, which is what he said when they <laughs> had him on the pitch. Uh, and when, he, when they presented him with the thing earlier in the season, they had him on the pitch and he said, smash the Saints. So I think, um, you know, there was a lot, that was a really big factor in the semi-final. Uh, I think in the final, it was a bit of maybe a bit of a factor. You know, all these things do play, you know, in the emotions. And it was certainly one of the most emotional performances I think we've, the last two weeks, we've produced for a very long time. Um, and I think that, yeah, that was definitely a definitely just, a factor. Just so much flux. Obviously, the Tom Young thing. Then there's the Ellis Genge leaving, Ford leaving, um, a group of young players proving themselves to Leicester fans that they're up there with one of their best teams ever. You know, Yeah, I saw, saw a quote today from um, Ellis Genge, and I don't know whether, he, I don't know exactly when he said this was said to him, but he said that Matt Smith and Brett Deacon said that one of the things that sort of pleased him the most in the last week was they told him he was a proper tiger. So their definition <laughs> of a proper tiger is, is now. It's not all the other stuff he's done before. You, you know, it's leading yeah. the team to a trophy. And well, I tend to agree with them. When, when he said he was going, when Ford said he was going, my attitude to both was, um, right, well, we'll part that because we're top of the table. We're doing really well and make it the last dance, you know, win and all's forgiven. So all's forgiven, you know, I'm sure they don't give a shit what I think, but <laughs> as, far, as far as I'm concerned, um, they did need the win. Uh, maybe after the semi-final, that was so important. I, I was moving towards going away from that position and just being happy enough with them anyway. Um, but yeah, now totally, you know, they'll be welcome. But well, they would have been welcomed back well anyway by people who aren't twats like me. But I, I think that there is quite a core of Leicester fans who are like that Matt Smith, Brett Deacon kind mm. of person who want you to show what you can do. Yeah, well, my granddad was certainly one of them. I know that much. Um, <laughs> Matt, uh, Matt. <laughs> uh, James, can you... Can who you are you offending talk... most there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you, um, can you sort of talk to the emotions that, you know, surrounding Saracens coming into the game? Was there... I mean, how did you feel about the whole redemption arc i thought it was a nonsense to be honest but yeah i mean i you know it's difficult because it's a bit england england new zealand world cup thing that the semi-final was such an emotional high uh, and beating queens and there was so much there was a bit probably a deeper groove of passion around the semi-final than there was about leicester you know leicester are, have been top of the table throughout the year no one can argue their place in the final. You know, they, they were exceptional all year. Um, beating Quinns, I think, really mattered. Um, and um, certainly, I don't think the players in the final performed anywhere. And I think um, McCall and Owen Farrell have acknowledged this. Didn't play anywhere near uh, the same level of um, intensity and um, performance that they put in the semi-final. It was something just 
a little bit off that extra 5% they talk about just wasn't perhaps there. Billy Vunapola perhaps aside, um, that, you know, certainly Ale Davis had a fantastic semi-final and just wasn't on his game as much as, as you'd like in the in the uh, the final. Um, and that was before the, you know, the yellow or whatever. Um, but the, um, so, you know, I think we, we've certainly wanted it uh, coming back from the championship. You know, we were there, not on performance. Leicester were bottom because they were rubbish. That you know, that was a bigger turnaround. You know, we were there because we'd been found cheating. So um, coming back from the cha- playing a year out in the championship, you just acknowledge that you were cheating. That is exactly what's been found. Yes. You let four years to answer that question. You know, then the, um, <laughs> but, but the uh, and I think you know it, it is it is quite a different team. There's a different makeup on the team than it was then when we last played in the final. Um, and um, you know it was amazing being back. I, I, I don't think at the top, start of the season that was where we were. Well, perhaps I'm sure he, Mark McCall was targeting it, but I didn't think we get to. The but final he said he part. wasn't, wouldn't he? He. This is what I think a lot of us don't buy. McCall said that, oh, no one would believe, you know, that we'd be there the next year. How can you have Mauro Toje and Owen Farrell in your squad and not be targeting to make the final? Like, surely everyone thought Saracens were going to be in the final yeah, at the start of the season. coach speak, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, certainly some, you know, some of the pundits have tipped them to get to the final. But I think, you know, there was a, there is, well, whether you believe it or not, I think there's a modesty about it having coming back from the championship. You know, um, having, you know, we, we didn't have our own way on all those games in the championship. You know, it, it was, it took quite a readjustment uh, in the squad, um, quite a, you know, a push. The England internationals didn't have a great year last year playing for England. You know, there's a confidence that they need to gain back uh, and togetherness, um, which they, you know, has been pretty amazing as the club has gained sponsors, some massive sponsorship deals again on partnership deals. And, and that has, there's been a recovery in the club and a sort of a pride comeback within the club. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a long road back for some people, I'm sure. Um, but uh, it, it was, you know, I was, I was delighted to see them back in the final. Um, I thought we'd play better than we did. Ben? Yeah, I think James is, is right. I think Leicester just were maybe 5% more on it for the whole game. And Saracens two or three times looked in danger of breaking loose and, and they never did. Um, you know, your highlight where um, Barnes sort of took the wrong line and got in the way, but, you know, just a couple of times, little things happened that put them off their stride. Um, and I think Leicester were, you know, for that reason, the better team. I think at the, how, um, how I feel about Saracens at the moment is um, in, in Lord of the Rings, when um, Soren gets defeated the first time and he, he kind of disappears, but he's still around, causes a bit of trouble, but he's still trying to get back to his full power. And I kind of feel that's how Saracens are at the moment. They're not, you know, they're, they're still a good side that could beat anyone on the day, but they haven't quite replaced a few of those players that, they, that, that, that have gone. You know, I don't think they've replaced... Um, Spencer and Wigglesworth with you know with players of that quality and you know the centers don't seem to be quite set as a as a unit yet they haven't replaced Brad Barrett um, and and you know some of the maybe the front row options if Mako's not playing aren't quite as strong and 
you know, they're not quite back as they were. And whether that's because they can't be because they can't afford to anymore or they just need to find some some new young players to come through. I'm, I'm not sure. I know what you think, Doug. <laughs> well, uh, let's let James have a say at it. Well, so I think it's interesting starting, I think actually it might be slightly similar to Leicester. That was the first time that 23 had played together. You know, there's no settled, there's not really not a degree of settled side at all. Um, and I, I mean, I, I was sort of one of those stats when you see it and you think, surely, we, surely we've surely played that before. Yeah, it, was, it was exactly the same for Leicester. It was the yeah. first time this season that 23 had played. Um, it's mad, mad. I, mean, I mean, the only points that let you know, Leicester's two tries came when we were down a player. Uh, and that momentum shift, you know, so defences on top, you know, they're basically out, so when it was 15 v 15, there were no tries, and it took a Billy Burns scuffed, as he, by his own admission, scuffed kick, who cares, it went over, um, you know, to win it, uh, there was so little between the top sides in that respect, but the turnover stats, they different, you know, Leicester had much, many more turnovers from us, and that's where our attacking play fell down on that Leicester sword. You don't really expect Saracens to struggle at the breakdown either do you you don't often see them turned over with that that regularity and I wonder why that was um could could you say that potentially there was I mean I don't know the ins and outs of second row play but is Swinson a bit more of a menace around the rucks than Ezekwe because they didn't have this issue against Quinns, did they? And Will Evans was just a non-entity against them. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a different figure. I mean, they're very sort of they, they look different figures, aren't they? Sort of um, between the two. It's almost perhaps it's why we've got Tisdale coming next year from mm. Quinns because it's another sort of big physical presence in that second row. Tight headlock. He, so you played with you you played with two uh, loose headlocks. Yes, it's, it's also a factor of not winning the collisions like Saracens are used to as well. Mm. You know. They're used to really being on the front foot. You know, it's easier to secure your ball than perhaps if you've got that extra yard or two through through contact. Whereas I guess when when you when you're being when you're running at Genge, Liebenberg, Visa, uh, Chesham, yeah, Martin when he comes on as well. Yeah, I, I definitely put put the, the sort of the the pro towards the Leicester defense, Leicester defense rather than you know the Leicester play because that's you know some amazing attacking play. You know, it, it, both sides are always quite borderline with the um, the, the laws. Um, you know, looking there's some there's some pretty cheeky challenges going in, um, but uh, you know, you, you play to the ref and you play hard, uh, and, it, and it was successful for Leicester. I mean, we could talk about the. I mean, let's let's just get it out there. We've got five minutes left on our Zoom call. We will go again afterwards, and, and I will edit it. I think, but. Can we get the yellow card chat out of the way in five minutes and 40 seconds? Because, yeah, I, me, I, I mean, for me, yeah, go on. Alid Davis, that, that is the something that needs to be looked at around small dudes hitting big dudes with their shoulder and no one batting an eyelid. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the way I see it. I think it's sort of what has happened by a lot of scrum halves over the season and over the years. Um, and not just scrum halves, but, but small players. I mean, Matt Scott later in the game was a smaller player uh, who also made a, a high tackle and got a yellow card. Um, but I think Davies has got a little bit of a, a habit for it as well. Yeah, um, I mean, it was a chicken wing but, and it hit him straight in the boat. 
yeah. Uh, and I thought I think it was clearly a wrong decision, but I'm, I mean, at the time I was absolutely fuming. Um, and I still, you know, if I was a neutral, I'd want it to be a red card. But as a Leicester fan, we've won a final before with a red card against the opposition. And having, as long as we win, I'm delighted when it isn't a red card because then people won't talk about it for the next 10 years. They'll talk about the Freddie Burns drop goal. They won't talk about, yeah. oh, yeah. you won because there was a I, red card. You know, I am inclined to agree with that. And, you know, I was going to say that the fact that you won sort of rendered that whole thing a bit moot, really. But um, it's just a mockery. And like, so I mentioned to you in the build up to this, I have, I have a thought about it. And I think that there's an edict out about refereeing during the regular season and regular refereeing during the postseason, in much the same way that the NBA is a fairly tippy tappy league until you get into the playoffs and then it's street basketball, elbows, every, anything goes. Same with hockey, uh, the NHL. You play in the playoffs, it's more brutal. The NFL is exactly the same. You get, you don't get the tippy-tappy pass interference. People get hit harder. They, you know, And the refs let it slide because the intensity is obviously ramped up, so there's more margin for error. However, if, you're, if you've made a thing about head contacts being and behaviours changing and being quite sanctimonious about it, you can't decide that it doesn't count for three games a year. And it feels like that's what's happened here. I mean, it's difficult. You've got sort of Wayne Barnes, you know, his 10th final guy sort of, you know, guys over all the other referees. And um, last week in the semi-final, another very experienced referee. um, And there were some pretty tasty hits in the, the semi-final and it's Quinns as well on both sides that sort of some of which were picked up social media on, on going both ways frankly um that you know and whether do you, do you, you sort of you want 15 v 15 as a fan you want you want to see there's a bit there is that more intensity about the game um and if you've got the two top referees effectively doing the last two games and they both referee that way it does feel like Slightly different. They even, but they, they don't win. during the season, do they? they we're not aware of their interpretation. So something of the fans. So the fans, we don't understand because we're not. We don't appear to be privy to something that they are about how it's but being. You, you, you can't. You just can't decide that rugby doesn't care about the lawsuits three games a year. <laughs> why? Why is it okay three games a year? Why do we have to put up with fifteen against fourteen because the rest of the year? It, it doesn't it it's a red card it's an interesting point about small people though because it i mean it's a pretty it would have been really felt really soft if that had been a red card um you know um uh, so and i think um i kind of i kind of want my red cards to be proper red cards i mean i'm, I'm i think i think we all do i think uh, ben you'd agree yeah, right I, just, I, I don't, I don't think... like that i don't like that being a red card sort of thing. yeah no. I, I can i i kind of try and take the you know the rest of the season and you know i i know everyone likes a bit of consistency from the referees, but I try and sort of take that out of it. And like, just on those two incidents, to me, I can understand why they've been given yellow cards because of what's been going on over the last few years. But, you know, in, in my version of rugby in my head, those two are just penalties, both of those in that game. And, mm-hmm. and, and the ones in the semi-final were just a joke. I don't, I don't think any of them should have been the yellow cards. Um, 
I could have seen Visa, Visa winning on McFarland in the uh, Saracens 22, uh, Saracens 5 metre actually, straight through his head, straight over, nothing giving at all. Because, I mean, whether it could have been or not, but nothing, there, there is a there's sort of um, uh, an inconsistency some of how some of the calls are given. Um, and you wonder sometimes it's whether the commentators also pick up on it. And does, Dougie, you'll know, does the TMO hear the commentators and, and the, the pundits? I don't know if I should say or not. Okay. Right. I don't know where was I stand one, on that. There was one this weekend, and I can't remember which game it was in. It might have been in the final, where it almost seemed like nothing was going to be given, and then it got picked up on the big screen. Was that the Davis one? I think that was the Davis yeah, one, yeah. Davis yeah. Um, you know, I mean, none of those would have been, you know, if that had been in the Mallover International, uh, Invitational, sorry, next year, without the TMO, none of those would have been getting picked up, would they? Yeah, I mean, just just to um, just to put a bow on it, I don't think they should have been red card. I don't think, in a perfect world, they're not red cards. But the bottom line is, we've seen red cards for way way less this yeah. year, um, and it, especially the Davies one. I think had Saris have won that, we'd probably still be hearing about that red card or not red card. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I expect Dunk could still be tweeting about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and his brother. Tag well, team. I, I just think, yeah, <laughs> probably one of the most egregious non-calls in a Premiership final ever. And the last, the, the other one that Barnes actually did produce a red card for was probably the most egregious. So, um, but we don't talk about that one. <laughs> well, so any more thoughts from the game? There's not really, there, there wasn't really a lot to talk about, was there? I, I think very attritional, very, very, um, but it just, just, it was the exact script we all thought it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, you pick Wiggy at, when Leicester pick Wiggy, then you, you know where they're going with the tactic. Uh, you know, and he is the best at it. So, um, you know, and, and up against his old team, you know, uh, the guy's a winner. Uh, and, uh, you know, absolutely loved it. Loved that, that, that game is Wiggy all over. Perfect, perfect conditions for him. Strong pack, present him with lovely ball, box kick it, box kick it, get that territory, uh, control the game. Beautiful, you know, it's a beautiful Wiggy game. It's what we what we won five championships with him doing. Um, so you know, it, um, it was a good tactic. And and David, you know, we, we played it back, but Davies is good, but Wiggy's Wiggy, and you know, he's the best at that. I um I thought it was quite fitting that the two South Africans got the tries for Leicester, because I think you know, in terms of sort of symbolising their turnaround from being quite, you know not like Leicester for quite a long time. They're, they're two very sort of throwback Leicester players, aren't they? And um, I think they've, they're almost like sort of talismans for, the, for how the club's turned around. So I thought it was quite fitting they both scored. And the Visas finish was a brilliant finish. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, that was really well done. I mean, it's a brilliant, brilliant um, uh, training move 
you know, just work. It looked like they, they'd done that several times in training before. You know, little feint to the left and then play it off to the right. And Visa comes in 100 miles an hour. You know, go running. You try and stop me when, yeah. he, when he's coming over the line. Um, and, you know, and they play it. So he's up against backs, you know, so because they've got drifted right. It's a, it's a beautiful move. And I expect we'll see it a few times from other teams next year as well, because it, it's clear, you know, it's, it could be the new Leicester five meter, the new Exeter five meter tactic. You know, it's, just use a, a massive South African exocet missile uh, from five meters out. I think there was a couple of really in, impressive things with that. Um, obviously, the way they actually finished it with the, the angle he came back across and Wigglesworth with the late late pass. But actually going for the decision in the first place, um, we'd had a five-meter scrum on the other side of the pitch earlier and we'd given away a penalty, rightly or wrongly, and we, we'd got turned over. Um, we Later on in the game, we had line-outs and, and we didn't get them all in uh, and we got held up. Uh, so it was a really big decision not to go for the scrum, not to go for the line out, you know, both of which we've scored many, many tries from this year and to go with the tap move. And, you know, from Genge, Wigglesworth, whoever called that on the pitch, that was a, a really good decision. Uh, it is a tactic I love. I've said many times this year, I, I hate I love the set piece. I love the fact we're so strong in the set piece. But every time you do a set piece, it gives the opposition a chance to mess it up. You know, they can do whatever the fuck they like. And, and if the ref goes on their side, then it's a penalty against you. If you tap it and go at them with a good angle, you're, the worst case scenario is you set up with a rook a meter out, which is, you know, what happened. I thought that's all we were doing when Genge tapped it and, and ran. But then obviously there was more of a move to it. So I think keeping that one up the sleeve for the final was was very sort of a Steve Borthwick and a, a good move. Kind of harks, harks to a tactic that I, to this day, still think second teams up and down the country should use, which is as soon as you get in the opposition 22, you just bang the ball as high as you can. Because no second team fullback is ever going to catch every <coughs> single bomb you put Ben's up. Ben's not having that. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm telling you. I've, 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 I've said that pride challenge. I've tried to get. I've tried to get off scrums. My number eight to say, just let me box kick it. I'm just going to welt it as hard and as high as I can. I guarantee we'll either get another scrum or we'll score a try. Like, don't compete to catch the ball because their fullback will fuck it up all by themselves. And it's like that with these set-piece moves at the premiership level. It's like, if we get four penalties inside the, on the five-metre line, if we tap and go five times, we will score one of them. Whereas if we take the penalty or the line, or if we take the scrum or the line out, it's more of a lottery, isn't it? Especially five metres. Yeah. Like, I mean, we do... We didn't pick him, but when we have Nadolo, um, what is actually the downside to just tapping and giving him the ball? Like I know they're professional players, but you don't see him. But he's he's like old Naira Voro at Saints, isn't he? He's, he's a massive man, but he's got like the mass of Jupiter. Yeah, it was it was a like, just, in hindsight a very good decision to leave him out I think really ballsy call again from Borthwick you know so many fans wanted him to be there for the scenario of it's tight and we need him to come on and, and score a try or whatever but you look at the way the game went with the humidity and, and the ball in the air all the time and all the chasing that Potter wow. and Porter did and you do, he's not doing that he, he's a good kick chaser but for 20 minutes you know and Porter and um, Potter and Ashton were just chasing yeah, I think it's a no-brainer with um 
with him. I, I just, Saracens would have absolutely peppered him if he was on that pitch. Running ragged, yeah. I mean, what, what do you think then? So, so compare that tactic to um, Saracens, 75 minutes, get a penalty in front of the posts, kick it for 12 all rather than do anything else. What, what would you have done? Well, if you had, at, 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 what, 9 12 down? 9 yeah. 12 down, yeah. You take, you take the points. points. Every yeah. single time, yeah. You don't lose the game if it's 12 all. Mm. They're back in their defence, aren't they? They're also, what they're doing there is they're essentially back in their defence to get a turnover penalty. They, they actually kicked it very quickly as well. So Farrell, he didn't take his minute. He didn't let the clock run down. He thought the yellow card's gone. I'm going to kick this through and then we're going to get back on the front foot. And then obviously it turned out they never really got back well, on it, the front foot after it, after that moment. But it was a, a huge decision. Yeah. And it, it felt like momentum was with them, didn't it, Duncan? Like yeah. once uh, there was that, I think you've mentioned it already, the ruck that Atoje turned over. Uh, sorry, not a ruck, a mall in, in the, you know, in the 22. And after that point, it, it, it felt like Saracens were going to, it was going to swing their way. Um, and I think taking the penalty was definitely the right option. But after that, there was just a couple of key little incidents that went Leicester's way. Um, the, the key one was when that ball just bounced loose. And was it Chesham got hold of it? It happened twice. So uh, yeah. Freddie, Freddie Burns did a little chip and chase, didn't manage to gather it himself. And either Chesham or Lievenberg gathered it. And then Saracen's defence was forcing his back and sort of out of drop goal territory. And then Ben Youngs did a, a box kick uh, that actually, I mean, the crowd clearly didn't agree with it. There was an audible groan. Now, whether <laughs> the groan put off the Saracen's players, I'm not sure, but it bounced. And obviously once the rugby ball's bouncing, you know, it's it can go anywhere, and they got it got recovered by. So one of them was by Chesham, the other one was by Liebenberg. Those two recoveries were, you know, absolutely crucial to that, that last few minutes. I thought Saracen suddenly looked quite tired. You know, that ball went loose, and Leicester reacted so much quicker. Perhaps that was, you know, what we said they had the extra five percent on the day, or or perhaps, you know, the the effort of the semi final maybe took something out of them. But I just thought Leicester, you know, were able to just get a little maybe not even an extra gear, maybe they were able to stay in gear, whereas Saracen sort of dropped down a little bit. Chesham's got that ability as well, isn't he? That he seems to be in the right right place at the right time quite a lot. Um, you know, and part of that is probably because he's so big and he can reach the ball, but also, you know, there's got to be some good reading of the game there. I, maybe I think he's got, uh, maybe he's got um, Billy Billy's boots on. There's a niche reference. James got it. <laughs> the old boots started to make me run. <laughs> Is that from like the Beano or something? Billy uh, D. Roy the Rovers. Billy D. Roy Rovers. Yeah. <laughs> a young, a young uh, footballer bought a pair of boots in a charity shop because he lived with his grand. She couldn't afford new boots and they were inhabited by the spirit of Billy Dean. He used to make him... Yeah, I did incredible runs. Maybe he's got a pair of Dean Richards old boots or something. Maybe. <laughs> he's a bit more sprightly than Dean Richards' last few games for us. But, but when Dean Richards was his age, to be fair, he probably, yeah, somewhere. He's got a younger brother who's bigger than him, Ollie Chesham. Yeah, he's in the under 20s, isn't he? Under 20s, yeah. He's yeah. a big, big lad. Yeah. Um, so let's go back then. I, I think we've we've talked enough about the game. We've, I mean, this is already a very long podcast, um, and I'm missing Love Island. 
how can how can we improve this product because i think it's one i don't i don't like the playoff format anyway i think it's a nonsense leicester should have won the league three weeks ago and they should have been at welford road with the trophy in front of a packed house um subtext of that is saints would have won the league three more times than they have um The Barbarians game being on the day after the Premiership final cheapens the Barbarians, which I don't like. So my my um, my answer would be to have the two semi-finals the week after Barbarians against England, and then the week after that the Premiership final gives people time to plan their final. Um, just has a bit more organisational time. The bar bars get a proper, a proper run out, and um, I think that's. I, I don't understand why they don't do that as it is. Ben, uh, how about um, the the league winner wins the league? Then you have the playoffs, which are a domestic cup. So you win a cup for winning the playoffs, and also it determines the seedings for the top four in Europe and in the interest of player safety reduce the European Cup down so only four English teams and limited numbers from the other countries go through yes quite complex and convoluted and it doesn't give the Barbars their moment in the sun which I just think they should have I, I, I think this whole Barbarians the day after is just utter nonsense Utter nonsense. I, I mean, I strongly agree that the Barbarians the day after is a nonsense, particularly at Twickenham. It just feels like it's part of the RFU against Premier Rugby long-term war that they set up a fixture the day after to attract some people to that and to have a distraction from the Premier Rugby final. Uh, it's all part of it. Goes back years. All part of that kind of thinking. If they're going to have it on that day, have it in you know Manchester, Newcastle. Uh, I think having it at Twickenham the day after is. Yeah. Not so that, that, that bar, sorry, James. That that Barbar's fixture for the England team. They call it the England Fifteen. It's an, an, an uncapped game. Uncapped game. Yeah. So why not make it a Premiership Fifteen, Select Fifteen against the Barbarians? Yeah. yeah. Rather than England. Totally. Yeah. I, I think you you want to. Um, I don't buy tickets for the England game until I know Saracens aren't in the final. Um, mm because I can't afford to go to both games and, and the, the time and the money. Um, and I wonder how many other people hesitate about buying them and then think they get, and then they look at the weather and think, oh, I'm not sure about it. But if you, if you made it a special fixture on its own, I think it would just, it, it would make it much better. And, and the Premiership 15 game would be awesome. Although you'd be missing, you, know, you could actually have the finalists playing that game then as well, potentially, or you have it in a separate week. But just yeah. having the semi-finals and the following week the final also I don't like it. You know that semi-final took a lot out of Saracens and I don't you know and Duncan it wasn't like you had an easy game the week before against you know, against Saints. Um, but I think I wonder if it and obviously they were both local rivalries bit big time. But I want there seems some intensity out, out of that um, Saracens game that they didn't quite weren't able to reach it two weeks in a row. But England, New Zealand, England, South Africa like. Mm. Yeah, I, I think 
you're never going to get an extra week out of the international so the unions they're, ne- they're never going to go oh you have another week um, and we'll not play another international um, so the way to make that fit would be to move the european final to the week in between the semi and the final and then okay if you've got such a great team that you are making the european final then fair enough you have to go back to back but most years it'd actually be not an English team in that European final or an English team that hasn't made the Premiership final, maybe. So you'd have Premiership semi-final, then the next week have a European final, uh, where you could also have a Premiership select against Barbarians that week as well um, that didn't involve European finalists. And then the week after have the Premiership final, give you two weeks to sell the Premiership final, um, finish with the Premiership final and finish with final final rather than finish semi-final final. I think you could do that I mean, the european is just you guys, you guys have given up on europe it did used to be like that yeah because i mean saracen's got... lost to toulon and then lost to northampton i think in one year we lost mm. two finals in two weeks you know it was um, um great so days we have had that two finals before <laughs> They've had it always round. Uh, I think when they had the Premiership final before the European final, you had the problem where you'd win the Premiership final and then it wasn't your last game of the season and you weren't properly celebrating. It happened to us in 2009, we beat London Irish and then go and play Leinster the next week and lose. And, you know, it certainly didn't feel like this win. Uh, but that's just the, you know, you shouldn't really moan about that, is it? That's real first world problems when you're moaning about your yeah. final win, not, not, not feeling as special as, as other ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think we've we've done that to death, right? I think that was actually like a proper rugby podcast, which for us is weird. So I think we should end it quickly. We'll <laughs> we'll we'll do what we normally do though. Um Duncan, have you got anything else you want to get off your chest? Uh not particularly off the chest, but I'm looking forward to playing golf with Phil on Friday if he's still available. I've got Don't be intimidated in, by his beauty in, in the diary with him. Uh I after many, many attempts to arrange golf with Russ. Uh this time he oh, sent me a date saying uh <laughs> this Friday would be the best day of this week that I'm down. Uh and then it's his daughter's birthday. So he'd obviously looked at his his diary very well. Uh, yeah, well, he did that with me on the Mall Over Invitational. Uh, yeah come down a couple of days before we'll go and play uh st enadoc i can't come and and he's done it with the um he's done it with the cricket as well so he was going to come up we were going to go and play beaconsfield golf club um and now he can't he's got to work so fuck him and his stupid fat waist um he's saying he's unreliable and fat (laughs) and bold yeah yeah um james uh actually duncan yeah i hope you have a, a great day with phil i'm sure it'll be brilliant he's a a lovely man thank you yeah, so nothing nothing really uh to get off my chest this week um yeah uh i uh don't want to do anything political uh that'll just get me in trouble um <laughs> and uh rugby rugby wise um you know, I think um, we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens. You know, um, next year, see how they interpret those red cards next year. Mm. What, what sort of game are we going back to? Concussions going to twelve days. You know, you're going to, you're going to definitely miss the next. Well, next there's going to be games cancelled. There's going to be games cancelled with um, players not being out. Uh, teams not being out of field. Squads, smaller squads, longer concussion protocols. Games are going to get cancelled. Quite simple. But we'll probably uh, talk about that at some point if we ever do another pod. So. <laughs> um, ben 
Um, a couple of weeks ago, they had the first Royal Cornwall show in three years, and it was great to be back. And it was mega busy. And uh, I think people showing people... off cows. Yep, cows, sheep, whatever you're into. Yeah, horses. Yeah, giant um, marrows. Yeah, I didn't see any giant marrows, but um, he was playing for Saracens, wasn't he? So, there's loads of hot tubs when I went. Oh my god, yeah! <laughs> if you want to buy a hot tub, that's the place to go. Any county show. Um, you know, it always makes me laugh when you drive into Hull to do the rugby league along the M M sixty two on the uh, on the left, just as you're going into Hull. There's a big hot tub showroom. I don't understand how they're shifting enough to stay stay open in Hull. Hot tub centre of the universe. Yeah, unless they're subsidised. I don't know. Uh, tell us more about the Cornwall show, Ben. Was there any food oh, there? Loads of food. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested in that. Yeah, Less so quite, mo most of the county shows are quite big food tents, and it's yeah. where I spend I don't know fifty percent of my time. Well, um, it's where where people are windmilling Russ to get him away from the yeah. the, uh, <laughs> get him away from the pie stands. <laughs> yeah, um, I ran into Phil. Not on, the steam uh, tray, Russ. I ran into <laughs> Phil on the Saturday afternoon, and he has a almost encyclopedic knowledge of which stands he can go to to get a free cup of pims or a ham sandwich. <laughs> He's got a book. Yeah, I think he must do. Yeah, but um, yeah, came up came away with a couple of bits of cheese and a couple of bottles of uh, interesting stuff from the food tent. So and uh, and um, Tim had some cows up there and won a few prizes. So uh, everyone was happy. Excellent. Was Tim just randomly tackling people and turning them over as well? Yeah, of course he was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, good. Um, that, including the judge, which probably set him back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised if he was smashing cows either. <laughs> just, just <laughs> opposition cows. Um, I just want to say, if you haven't watched We Own This City on Sky um, Atlantic yet, then you're completely mugging yourself is that the um new wire yes yeah i want to watch that it is just fantastic it's six episodes an hour long each and it's just brilliant so john bernthal is brilliant um it, there's little cameos from people you know from the wire and stuff that you go oh it's that dude um but it is just a brilliant, brilliant show. So do yourselves a favour and go and watch it. Sherwood's very good as well on BBC One. I don't like British dramas. Don't watch it then. I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> right, chaps, I'll let you go. It's, um, it's half nine. And, uh... Done. Duncan hasn't really watched the final for about half an hour, so he's off to go and watch that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame him. Or Freddie Burns' Instagram is the other thing to watch at the moment because he's just drinking his way around England. And he sometimes does lives and he sometimes does stories and he is on the piss, absolutely. Sometimes with the cup, usually with a few of the other players. It's very, very entertaining. Can you imagine what Ugo has to say about him? I mean, he's brilliant, isn't it? Absolutely oh. brilliant. Oh, we don't Good luck, Freddie. Good luck, Freddie. Yeah. Enjoy it. If you can't enjoy doing the drop goal to win the final, what, what can you do? Go, go just, and have a great time. Just the difference between Freddie Burns and Matt Fitzpatrick, who is also 
um, surgically grafted to his trophy, uh, the US Open trophy. But rather than drinking his way around um, Boston, he's having a nice civil breakfast with his family. <laughs> Disappointing. Yeah. On that note, um, it's been a pleasure. We'll try and get some more stuff out. I think we're going to have a little break over the summer. Um, we might get back together for the internationals, potentially. Um, but I think it's been several years of, of us doing the podcast most weeks now. I think we've reached a bit of burnout with it somewhat. Um, well, as a long-term I fan, I'll probably speak for, for... I know a lot of people do listen. Uh, thank you for all your efforts and thank you for doing it. You know, really appreciate it. It's the first one I listened to in the week. You know, really enjoy it. You know, really enjoy it. Um, if, variation with punching chats also brilliant. Really enjoy that. That's, that's great. That that sounds great fun to record as well. It is. It's really um, good fun. Um, we we may do some of those, but but thanks. Um, your your thanks have gone noticed as yours have as well, Duncan. I did say thanks, just not out loud. Oh well, no, I, mean, I, was <laughs> no, I didn't. Point. I was fully <laughs> agreeing with James. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we um. You know, there's not a lot of rugby to talk about for the next few weeks, so we we probably won't. We might do a punch and chat. We might not, but you know, everyone's um, minis are becoming slightly bigger. You know, I know um, the Mills Millslet is um, playing cricket for Cornwall. Is that right, Ben? Yeah, I saw a picture of him. Yeah, so that's Russ so. going to be up and yeah. down the country for the next five six years. Um, you know, Phil's boys are growing up, and Ben Ben's got to do his cow stuff. <laughs> but yeah. I think it's right. It's right to have a bit of a pause over the summer as well, and then yeah, back, yeah, you, you have, you, have a bit of pre-season, and yeah. then come back fine for the new season. So exactly, nice. and I, I do think we'll probably will knock out a punch and chat at some point. But uh, yeah, for now, it might be a couple of weeks till we record again. I know we may well drop in the odd long leg podcast. That was fun to record the other night, and. Um, We'll see where we go. But James, Duncan, thanks a lot for coming in and, and keeping you. us busy. Ben, cheers, cheers mate. Good to chat to cheers, you Dad. as always. And um, we'll see you soon. Go well. Well. Sports Social Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 